78644 is brought to you by Wella Foods. Welcome to the first episode of season two of 78644. We're shaking things up a bit with a new format on the show. In addition to our usual features on music, artists, and various characters, both real and fictional, we'll also be spotlighting entrepreneurs, makers, and people around town that are doing things that you may not be aware of. I'm Stephen Collins, and this is 78644. We're kicking off a fresh segment called Hustle and Flow, spotlighting entrepreneurs with unique businesses in our community. Our correspondent, Taylor Burge, a business owner herself running Chaparral Coffee and Good Things with her husband, Austin Burge, sat down with Catherine Della Durante of Sunny Hill Flower Farm, situated just up the road in Luling. About 80% of all U.S. flowers that you see in your regular grocery store um, are imported. Mm -hmm. Um, And these have been treated with chemicals that we don't even allow in the U.S., which is crazy, right? Wow. And so they're very chemically treated. And a lot, a lot of people will say to me, it's like, well, my flowers, they didn't last, you know, three weeks. And I go, well, because they're not chemicalized. They're not then saturated or put in a curated building. Um, these are natural products. There's a lot of, um, you know, I think <laughs> low paid um, employee rates. Um, and then, um, you know, the not real product because they've been chemicalized they put in buildings you see a lot of dyed flowers so Mm. we're not even seeing natural colors something that comes from nature Um, and one thing i've realized is like wow these are way more beautiful so i worked actually in a floral shop for like two days (laughs) because i I couldn't do it after that Um, and i was like i'm sitting standing here and i'm like got tons of roses i have like all these things and it was like they're not very pretty. I don't know why. I was like, I love flowers. What is my problem? And I was like, because I didn't grow them and they look nothing like what I can grow from the ground, like Mm -hmm. the Texas ground. Like I was in the, um, the floral industry for like years and I, you know, mostly worked with local and foraged flowers, like different farmers. But, um, but I would often have to like, you know, get those imports as you're saying. And like, especially like roses, whenever we get the roses, I don't even compost. Yeah. <laughs> like they just go straight into the trash and yes, it gives me like yes. an allergy. Yes, like, yes. They're so, it, yeah. it is pretty crazy. Like how people yeah. don't, they assume that because it's a cut flower that it is yeah, natural. this organic mm-hmm. natural material mm-hmm. when it, you're right. Like yeah. it's been treated yeah. so heavily mm-hmm. and the people that grow those yeah. flowers are paid poor wages. Yes. And yeah. oftentimes like they're taken advantage mm-hmm. of and the whole industry. Yeah 
so many industries are like this, yes, but, yeah, yeah. but that industry is, um, is one that is very sad. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And it's a beautiful product. So you would think, oh, well it has good, good stuff. It's like, well, <laughs> they've been sprayed to death. <laughs> yeah. What are you most excited about this year? Okay. Okay. Well, lots of things. I cannot wait to start growing. So I've been like itching, itching. And I'm like, you know what? I'm putting these in if I have to cover them because it gets cold. I don't care. One thing that we are really striving for in 2024 is getting the UCAS open. So starting in April, all the way through the July, we are opening every Friday night. So this is really something that we're excited to um, bring open to, you know, rural towns, but also to the public. So, you know, people from Austin, San Antonio, you know, New Braunfels. Um, and so we're excited about that. And then in May, we're hosting our second annual Market at the Farm weekend. So this has been something that I didn't think would kind of take flight, but it did. Um, and it was, we just kind of were like, well, let's have this little market. And I had like 15 vendors, I had music, I had food. I don't even know how it happened. It was like a month and a half of planning. And I had like 200 people every night and everybody came up to me and they're like, I've never been to anything that felt this way. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what we should do. Yeah. Um, so we're hosting our second one May 10th through the 11th. Um, we're getting up to about 30 vendors. Um, we're going to have food trucks and we have music the whole entire time. So like a lot of music, that nothing sounds- like flowers and music and food and family. You know, it's always one of those things where this is nature, but we're also in Texas And if you travel anywhere else, people don't understand how hard it is. And, um, you know, I was really blessed the first year we had lots of rain. I was thinking this is the thing. And the next year it just hit me. We had like the worst drought. We had grasshoppers eating everything. Um, we also have a major, like a caterpillar moth situation. Um, and so those will destroy your plants Mm -hmm. even before. So what they'll do is they will lay eggs in the middle of the flower and you think, Oh, I have all these beautiful flowers. And then the next day there's worms crawling out of everything and it's already gone. Like you're already like eaten alive. Um, so those are some things that I'm like, did you cry when that happened? Yes, I did. (laughs) And you would not believe it. So I, I cut the tops off of every single flower because I was like, I'm cutting back the infestation and that it just didn't work. Um, so that's really tough. Um, you know, and then ants have, they have an issue where when they have, you have an ant pile, it's aerating the soil, which gets air to the roots. So that will damage a plant. Um, you have deer problems. Um, so we, we don't treat, um, with any kind of like chemical for the deer. What we do is double fencing. Um, you do a fence inside a fence and that protects from the deer, but sometimes, you know, so tell me what kind of like a date and maybe walk me through like okay. what a day in the life, life. of Catherine yeah, looks, looks like. like. <laughs> yeah. 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 So one thing, um, because this is a fully operational farm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We do lots of things here. So we have cattle. So we do that as well. So we're utilizing the whole space, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so day in the life is in Texas, you know, maybe other States you can't, you can cut flowers during the day, but Texas, as soon as you cut a flower hits that sun, it wilts. Like Mm -hmm. you can almost never get it back. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to cut all the flowers for selling before the sun comes up. At least for me, that's how it works. I've tried other ways. Um, or before the sun, you know, right after the sun goes down is like, if you can see a little bit. Um, so that's what I'll do. I get up, I cut as much as I can. As soon as the sun comes up, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't cut enough, it's my fault. You know, I slept in too long. <laughs> yeah. So um, definitely this. So that's what happens. Um, and then it's also in the evenings and the morning. Well, actually evenings, I plant 
all my seedlings um, because they need time to kind of have a break from that sun. If you plant in the morning, they will just croak. It will not happen. You will have ruined them. Um, so in the evenings I'm planting um, and then I'm also like creating like where I'm going to, you know, plant next and prepping rows um, and weeding. Um, so yeah. And then during the day I do all my deliveries. So It's amazing. Like what a flower can bring mm-hmm. because it's like mm-hmm. visual, mm-hmm. it's scent, yes. it's texture, yeah. it's color. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're so There's powerful. So much to it. Yeah. It's so, so remarkable. It is. It is. Flowers. Yeah. Yep. And it's like nature has so much diversity within it. Um, like nothing is just the same. And I was looking at just the breed of zinnias themselves. And some people are like, well, they're just a, you know, practical, everybody plants those. Like, do you know how many varieties are within like the zinnia family? Like, it's insane. Like I have pictures of so many different kinds. I'm like, I could just do a story just about the one, you know, (laughs) it's like, there's so many. To find out more and learn about events at the farm, go to www.sunny-hill-flower-farm.com. Sandy and Cheryl Dozer have a photography project that they've been doing for several years here in Lockhart. And it's not dissimilar to what we're doing here with 78644, but they're doing it visually by going out and photographing things as they happen in town. And they've really done a fantastic job of getting the soul and the mood of Lockhart as it grows um, in a visual way. And they... They came into the studio and we got a chance to visit with both of them about what they're doing with their photography and why they're doing it. Thanks for taking time to come over and, and talk to us about what you're what you're doing. It's good to be here. Sandy, you you're a long line of Lockhart people. Yeah. Right? Way back. I guess well, seven generations. That's a long <laughs> Yeah, that's a long time. And it had a lot to do with the starting of the town. We just hadn't done much lately. I've kind of slacked off. I have a acute case of laziness that's I've never been able to really shake. Um, I'm kin to about um, 12 or 13 families here in this town. One time we went over to the archives of um, the Post Register and just started looking through the different families. And my families have been mentioned over 10,000 times in that paper. It had them grouped, you know, so I didn't have to do the math. And I mean, just little things. There was an ad, not an ad, but an article in there. The headline was, um, Olamay Trammell Motors to Austin to Attend (laughs) Wedding. That was my grandmother, and that was a a headline that she'd driven to Austin by herself to see a wedding. It was big (laughs) news. Yeah, that was big news back then. And um, we just kind of, I live across the street from where my dad and his brothers were born. I could chunk a rock from here to the house where my mother was born. My family's always been here. And, and Cheryl, is it similar for you? Have you been in Lockhart a long time, or did you come when you met Sandy, or how'd that work? When I met him, this is where we always wanted to be. But I grew up um, just right outside of Pleasanton, which is south of San Antonio. So we lived there the first 10 years we were married, but we were up here every chance we got. This is always where we wanted to be. And so it was a real blessing when we actually got to to come. We started backpacking and hiking and hiking a lot. And we bought a camera to do that. And we were taking a lot of pictures and got to really, really enjoy doing it and doing that. And then COVID hit. 
And so during COVID, we'd take our camera out and we'd take turns using it. We'd go out to the state park and hike around and take pictures of people. We said, let's get another camera so we didn't pass it back. So then we had two cameras. We started walking around. We started taking pictures of strangers with dogs. We were going to take 100 pictures of strangers with dogs. It got to where we met so many people. They weren't strangers for very long. You know, we got to meeting them. And I can't tell you how kind everybody's been to us. You know, letting us take the pictures. Um, took them a long time. Then people started asking us about them. Instagram, we never heard of that. And we found out, so we started putting them on there, and then people would see them, and they would... We had several people, it was really nice, would contact us about a picture we'd taken. Their dog had died, and that was the last picture they had. One A person had died, and it was the last picture of them. And so that, that was always... That was neat that people were actually looking at our pictures, and, you know, it meant something to some of them. So it's kind of neat. It is. We enjoyed meeting people and yeah, taking their pictures and getting to know them. You're out there taking pictures all the time and kind of as a documentation of what's happening in Lockhart right now. And we talked about how different it is from 2000 or 2007. Oh, yeah. And so there's a lot to take pictures of, I imagine. It's made us a lot more aware of everything going on around us. You know, the, the abundance of talent in and around Lockhart is just, it's amazing. It's remarkable. We want to make a, like a book of the people of Lockhart, but just like make two of them. And we were going to put one at um, Arts and Craft, just where everybody had just pictures. And they could go in and write on the back stuff about them, you know, who I am, oh, what, cool. you know. And then I, I thought about maybe talking to, um, to them there at the Pearl, maybe put one, put one there. Um, and it, but it also captures what's happening in town. Like it's not just people, but it's people in the middle of doing something in town. Yeah, I love that. It's like a journalism kind of thing. Well, you know, there's two um two tables right down there in front of Luke and Lils, <laughs> and I, I, I they're the nexus of the universe. There's always somebody there, and they're always when you go by, you know, I like take pictures of them. They're always in some kind of deep discussion, you know. If I was Taylor and I was going to campaign, I would just sit in one of those chairs at one of those two tables every evening because you'll meet every person in Lockhart <laughs> before it's over with. <laughs> That's a good idea. We should tell Taylor that. You know, when we were, when we started and it just kind of happened, we really ex- have experienced a lot of kindness. There's there's more kindness in this world than, than any bit of, you know, um, meanness or anger or anything, you know, people have just received us um, in a way that we were not prepared for. And that's been, that's just been an amazing experience. To see examples of Maple Street Picks work, follow them on Instagram at Maple Street Picks. Our local track highlight is a segment where we highlight a recorded track from an artist with a home here in Lockhart. Savannah Red is such an artist. 
Savannah Red's artistry is a testament to her versatility and effortlessly navigating between spellbinding covers and heartfelt original compositions in the jazz category. She's looking for a gig here in Lockhart, and it'd be cool to hear her and her band play live here in town. This is a song called Howlin'. Taking a howling at the moon If that's the only way to get to you Those bites on your neck Can't be a tattoo So I am taking a howling at the moon
only way to get to from our sponsor. Hey folks, Emily here from Wella, a local family-owned business right here in Lockhart, Texas. We make everyday foods you love, like Thunderbird, Superfood, Energy Bars, and our Wella hot cereal, and more, with only clean ingredients and amazing flavors. You can find us at HEB, Central Market, Whole Foods, Good Things on the Lockhart Square, as well as thunderbirdbar.com, wellafoods.com, and Amazon. Just a reminder that our lineup is regularly featured on our Instagram page and is in our daily stories, The Roundup. For the latest town happenings, tune in to 78644podcast on Instagram, where you can learn about our upcoming episodes. We'd also want to remind you about our 78644 Friends program. 78644 Friends are passionate supporters who believe in more than just attending shows. They're all about ensuring that musicians can thrive. By contributing $5 or more each month, you're directly supporting the artists who have graced our podcast. Yes, that's correct. 100% of your donation goes to the musicians in a drawing that we have once a month. Supporting your favorite musicians is as easy as subscribing for $5 or more per month at 78644podcast.com. And as a thank you, you'll gain access to the exclusive 78644 hangs that we have with exciting perks. That's not all. Subscribers get a special link to a password-protected playlist featuring all the original music from our show, including unreleased tracks from Troubadour Image and Sound. And it's your exclusive music hub. So don't miss out on the fun. Sign up today and secure your spot on the invite list and support the amazing musicians who make our podcast special. And always remember to tip the band. Your contribution truly changes lives. Austin Music Love is putting out a local music discovery letter. They will send out the new songs that are released daily by local artists in the Central Texas area, including Lockhart. Plus, you can personalize your newsletter by genre. Over 1,500 local artists are signed up to have their music distributed through the newsletter, and there are about 50 new releases per week across all genres. Some of the Lockhart artists included are Augustin Ramirez, Melissa Engelman, Telenovela, R.F. Shannon, Richard Watson, and Parker Chapin. Find out more at austinmusiclove.com. The Baker Theater has a new production. Stephen Sondheim's company will be playing a musical. Our theater correspondent, Kara Bliss McGregor, got a chance to catch a rehearsal and speak with the cast and the director.
This is Kara Bliss McGregor, and tonight I am at the Baker Theater, where rehearsals are underway for their next musical production, which is Company by Stephen Sondheim. Originally produced on Broadway in 1970, Company follows bachelor Bobby as he interacts with his married friends, his soon-to-be-married friends, his disgruntled married friends and trying to navigate relationships and commitment and what he wants his life to look like. Uh, So I'm going to talk to some cast members and the director and find out more what it's all about. So I am here with two more cast members, Ben Cook and Trinity Adams, and they are contributing their voices and talents to company, and I want to hear what it's been like for them. How's the rehearsal going? Uh, it's been a necessarily long rehearsal process, as it's a Sondheim show and it can get super complicated in uh, every number, I say. There's at least one <laughs> moment that we really need to hammer into, and we've needed this, this extra long rehearsal process to kind of get it under our belts. That's wonderful. Um, so tell me what part you're playing, Ben, and I'll ask you the same question in a second. I'm playing Peter in this production. Tell us about Peter. Peter, oh man, what can I say about Peter? He's a he's an interesting fellow. He's he's a, a New York man who's found a Southern bride, and is uh, there's there's an interesting uh, dichotomy to that um, that uh, their their two energies really flow off of each other on stage in a way that many of the other couples do as well. That's interesting. And are you playing the Southern Bride, Trinity? And you guys are married in real life? No. No? Okay. Okay. Well, that would be a whole other layer of complication. So tell us about your Southern Bride. Well, Susan is her name, and I like to think, so I, you, you kind of got to build a backstory for your character, and it's your own thing. Usually other people don't hear about it, but um, I kind of talked with him about it and thought maybe Susan is like a school teacher or an artist that like goes viral, and so she thinks that like, oh, I should sell my paintings in New York for a bunch of money. Okay, so, that makes sense. Not a super like actual successful artist, but supported by Peter, the New York tech guy. So the the kind of uh, I don't know duality between the two of them of him being this straightforward kind of tech guy and her being this kind of like artsy fartsy. I don't know, Southern woman. It's really, really fun to watch. So do you feel that your character, Peter, I'm talking to Ben now, do you think your character, Peter, feels responsible for Bobby and and how he thinks about marriage and plans? Like, do you have to be this role model? I don't think Peter's necessarily a huge role model to Bobby in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, the, the audience certainly hopes he isn't. Um, I think I think both Susan and Peter are a little bit of a, a stumbling through life kind of example in the in the in the show. Um, yeah, if he, Peter and Susan. It's an interesting. They kind of. This show was written in 1970, and they kind of come out of the, you know, new way of of thinking in the 60s, where you know, what is what is marriage really? It's a, you know, how many different kinds yeah, of marriages exactly, are there? Exactly. And it's kind of the first time. Yeah, just trying to break the box of like what is marriage, and that's kind of where Peter and Susan come into the show, which makes Bobby all the more uncomfortable. 
I am here with David Kelly, who is playing the lead, Bobby, in the musical company. And I'm here to find out what he's loving and what he uh, hopes will bring Lockhart audiences in to see this show. Hey, David. Hi. Thank you so much for coming and checking it out. Um, Of course. What am I loving? Um, What am I not loving is probably um, an easier question. There's really not a whole lot. This is... It's a fun show. It's an incredible, um, it's got incredible music. It's just kind of a fun look into kind of how we experience marriage and how we view marriage and how we view relationships and commitment. And it's, uh, I mean, honestly daunting in some ways because you have such a reverence for Stephen Sondheim, who is kind of a giant in the musical theater world, but... Just the opportunity to put it on here in Lockhart is uh, just an outrageously fun thing to do. Doug DiGirolamo, who is the director of Company at the Baker Theater. So, Doug, tell me about the choice of this show. And, you know, Stephen Sondheim is not for the faint of heart. You know, he is famously complicated in his characters and his music in the best way. Yeah, uh, Company... Uh, has always had a very special place in my heart. It's one of the first Sondheim shows that I've ever uh, that I've ever done and listened to. It's uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, I remember being in school and learning about what a concept musical was, and then uh, learning that this was the first one, and I just sort of fell in love with it. Well, for our listeners, what is a concept musical? Oh, a concept musical sort of based on an idea. It's not. It's not like, you know, based on a book or something or a movie, you know, how like Legally Blonde is, uh, or it's not based on anything except like an idea. And the idea of this show is uh, it's Bobby's 35th birthday. And in a split second, as he blows out his candles, he goes over most of the relationships he's ever had in his life and decides whether or not he wants to get married. <laughs> it's a big moment. It is. It's a big moment for you. By side, ports in a storm, comfy and cozy, side by side. Company by Stephen Sondheim will be playing at the Gaslight Baker Theater Fridays through Sundays, March 1st through March 17th. You can buy tickets and find out all the details at the Baker Theater's website. That is mygbt. We have a new segment on the show, which is called On This Episode, Off Main Street, but every segment will feature people off Main Street and any other street in Lockhart. Our producer... Kate Collins took a minute to stop by at the local shop called Field and Stable. Hi, my name is Cameron Cernock and I own Field Stable Antiques. There's no end. And it's been open for 13 years. And you are originally from? Boston, Massachusetts. Why did you move to Texas? My husband wanted to move home. And where was home? Texas. Specifically? Or Lockhart? Corpus, no. Corpus. I just wouldn't live in Corpus. Why not? Oh, you don't want to go 
with you. Because I don't know who's going to hear this, and he's got a lot of family all over the state, and he wanted to move home to Texas. It wasn't enough. I followed his ass all over El Safeca. While he was in the Marine Corps forever, he had to pull one last move. While we were married, it was, I couldn't do anything because we traveled every like two to three years. Mm-hmm. There was no point. Now, I grew up with all this. My mother had antique stores, and she rented booths in different malls. My father was a licensed auctioneer. My oldest brother had a very high-end antique store in Cambridge, Mass. My next to my oldest brother had an antique store. My older sister had an antique store. And my kid brother had an antique store. It's in the blood. I don't do consignment. Okay. I do enough work and enough paperwork. I'm not doing consignment. So I have quite a few spaces I rent out. Got it. How do you um, determine prices of things when you, because so many things in here are not priced. It's just from your experience. Sure. <laughs> Never got bored. Read antique books. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from my mother and, you know, looking things up. And I have an outstanding memory. I have an eidetic memory. So, so anything that you see, you remember? If I buy it and pay for it, I remember. Really? It's a gift and a curse. Do you have any memories of... Uh, one of the more interesting or weirdest things people have tried to sell or things that you've discovered through 13 years? I mean, like the red lace bra one of my vendors thought she should sell in her booth. I'm not running a strip show. On the vendor that had an oil painting and wrote out the price tag and taped it to the oil paint itself. Yeah, those were memorable moments. Do you know the history of this building? It was originally part of Field Stable. This was the showroom, and they had the sleighs and the carriages and all that good stuff. That's where the name comes from? That's how I decided to name it, yeah. When I rented the building next door, because that was first, if you walk in the door and look to your left, on the wall was what they were calling a ghost sign, and it was done in the famous paint of the day. It's called charcoal. And it said something to the effect of, Field stables, horses and buggies, bought and sold, blah, 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 you know. And that's how I came up with the name. Is it haunted? I haven't seen anything. You haven't had any reactions? I had a guy that worked for me who swore to God there were ghosts in here. And I had a gal that worked for me and she swore the same thing. They must like me. I haven't seen them. I haven't pissed off the gods. I have a friend... um, and town who refuses to buy antiques because she believes she's bringing other people's things into her home and that they will haunt her. <laughs> well, bottom line, for the most part, a lot of this was all in other people's homes. But no, I don't think I've had a scary object, unless you want to count the clock. I have a clock. It's a wind-up clock. I hadn't wound it in about four or five years. And this one day, we lost power. All of a sudden, just the whole... Not just me, the whole situation. And all we could hear was the clock ticking. And then at the half hour and on the hour, it did its little gong. Thought my father was just checking on me. He bought the clock. Do you believe every object has a story? Are there, are there moments where you've heard good stories behind the things that people are selling or that you have sold? I had this pencil shop and once and the lady said to me, how do you know it's old? And I said, Lincoln used it. So she bought it. 
My stupid. How dumb was that? I mean, come on, really? I had a customer. I know I had a vendor. And she had this piece in her booth. And she had her tag written and her price. And she called it a very large coffee cup. I wouldn't drink coffee out of that. It was a chamber pot. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think separates you from the other antique stores in town? There's other antique stores in town. <laughs> quite a few open, but they closed. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe the fact that I'm open seven days a week and I stick to the hours, we're always open promptly except on Sunday. Well, on the first Friday of every month starts at five. And right here at this table that's cleared off and has a clean tablecloth, there are 13 different flavors of homemade, baked from scratch. They're the real deal cheesecakes, coffee, wine, tea, and it's free. They've gone up in like increments. I started out only making two. Now, this, this month, February, I actually had 14 cheesecakes. There was 13 different flavors, but two of the cheesecakes were the same flavor. It's a good thing I made, too. It was pecan pie cheesecake. Why cheesecake and not pie or cake? Have you always loved cheesecake? I could take it or leave. You can find Karen at the counter most days at Field Stable Antiques at 118 North Main Street, open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and open 7.30 on Fridays and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Singer-songwriter Charlie Ramsey is a very gifted songwriter and musician who's living here in Lockhart these days. Charlie brings to the table his unapologetically raw voice and uncanny knack for creating infectious pop hooks and compelling melodies, all of which are steeped in his thoughtful and reflective lyrics. Charlie was in the studio recently doing some overdubs and a mix for his song on his upcoming album. And he joined us in the studio along with his producer, Andy Sharp, to discuss his music and recording techniques on his latest album. Worked with Charlie for probably going on 25 years now. I think the first record we ever did together was the Jesus recordings with John Crosland at Music Lane, where I was a lowly intern. And that was great. And then years later, we came back and we've done what this is our third record recording together. Yes. Yeah. The second uh, solo album was where Andy was was greatly involved and that was affectionately known as my midlife crisis where I you know after about 10 15 years of not playing I decided I want to write a full length album and so I just sat down and, and really cranked it out uh, with with Andy's help kind of shaped things and I didn't like the word pop but that's exactly I, I kept on going to pop and now I'm I embrace pop a lot of my heroes in the Austin scene uh, were pop artists like the Reavers and, and uh, um, Girling and Wannabes. And then the most recent one I'm proud of, and this is the, the uh, February 16th release, in that it's not as selfish. And, and what I mean by that is I, I feel like instead of uh, writing for myself, which I absolutely wanted to do, I feel like this one is more to, to family and friends. So the writing is surrounding you know loss and life and um, the feelings of family and uh, th that was super important to me. 
So I knew to go to, to Andy. You don't forget what it's like to play music with someone. You pick up right where you left off and like, you know, it's, he brings songs in and they're like, oh yeah, I, I remember playing with you. This is fun. This is great. You know, it's like the magic just picks right up. The energy's there already. The way uh, I explain it is that Andy is the most patient man I know. Yeah. And that just that, you know, come in with an idea and, and just kind of stare at each other for a little bit going, I, I don't know what this is, but it might be something. So that, uh, you know, I would be in my garage and would piece things together in, in the garage and I go, well, this is going to sound horrible. I can't do this. And then again, going back to, to Andy, you know, and he would take it and be able to say, yeah, that's, this is a clean track. We can use this or go back and, and work on it. One of the valuable lessons I've learned from Andy amongst many things is, is when to be quiet and when to listen. You know, the takeaway for me for coming to Lockhart and trying to get back into the music scene is that artists want to be listened to. The, the difference between Austin and here, it, it, you can tell and you can see. And, and that was really, truly what struck me is, is sitting in a small bar, listening to a singer-songwriter, and people were listening. They're actually listening, and they were, then they were supportive afterwards. And you get that in the open mics in, in uh, Lockhart. Um, you get that in the community, walk, people walking down the sidewalk. It, it, people are supportive, creative, and they want it to work. Andy, let's talk a little bit about the process of production, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, some of my favorite projects to do are, you know, songwriters without a band. Like, I love recording full bands, of course, where everything, everyone comes in and they sort of have an idea of where they're going. But I also love people that come in that just have this great song and they have no idea where it's supposed to go. You know, take a song as an idea, then you just kind of start building around it create so you, you get to be the band. In Charlie's case, he's extremely open to just whatever, you know? Yeah, some of the songs that you think are maybe runts are actually going to end up being sort of the best songs, and some song that you think is going to be the, the leader of the record ends up maybe kind of being a, you know, mm-hmm. taking a back seat. That's, inter- that's fascinating that that happens, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Lockhart section of this. You, you were setting it up a bit. Yeah, I mean, it was super important to me to um, to get Lockhart involved because I do, you know, I I, I want to feel a part of the community, the music community, and so I just started, you know, going to to bars and introducing myself, going to open mics and introducing myself to try to try to grow this. Um, from that came, and this is while I was writing, and so from that came. Uh, a track called Lockhart Arts. Um, but it was important to me to get local people because it served two purposes. One, I could collaborate with some cool people and make friends along the way, which I feel like I've just started to do. And then two, to try to to figure out the music community here and become a part. And it, it kind of reminds me of Sam Marcus, you know, in the, in the 90s. When, mm. 80s and 90s when that stuff was kind of going on. And so that kind of that small time, uh, small town uh, music feel is kind of what I was trying to capture in both the, the Lockhart R's, um, which feeds into the, I think, the overall theme of the record, which is uh, family and community. Andy had a, this is years ago, had a, a kind of a songwriter challenge where you'd, you'd bring a title and you have to write a song to that within the month and then, and then push it out to, to share. And uh, so it was my turn to come up with a difficult title. And so I came up with a difficult title, um, Helicopters and Horses. And it actually was one of those ones where it just was, I was trying to capture a moment. And from that moment, there's, you know, there, there may be some conflict, 
but really it's just capturing a moment. And, and that moment was, happened to be in Afghanistan in a, in a Christmas service. And everyone was singing Silent Night, but because of the NATO folks were represented, they were, they were singing it in different languages. Hmm. And so that really stuck with me for years. And it's not a political song at all, but it's, it's, it's trying to tap into um, inner conflict.
We'd like to thank our sponsors, Well of Foods, as well as our in-kind sponsors, Printing Solutions, Willigan's Island, Courthouse Nights, The Rock House Airbnb, The Birdie House Airbnb, Gaslight Baker Theater, and Crystal Glaze Photography. 78644 is produced by Kate Collins, recorded at Troubadour Image and Sound here in Lockhart, edited by myself, Stephen Collins, with Danny Manning, social media managed by Crystal Glaze, music this episode by Savannah Red, Charlie Ramsey, and Leonard Cohen, and myself, Stephen Collins. Our show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Radio Public, and everywhere else for podcasts or streams. Thanks for listening. 